Ready. This is Alex J. Aguiar. Are you ready to pod? Let's go again. Quiet, please. Ready. When it comes to money, many of us tend to live in the present without worrying about our future finances. You know, we all have our reasons. Some feel financially secure and believe that they don't need to worry. Others may lack the knowledge or awareness of the importance of financial planning. Others rely on external sources such as government programs or family inheritance. Or simply, in denial, they avoid the reality of their financial state. Regardless of the case, it's important to address the issue and take action now to secure your financial future. Our guest, Andre Skrogi, is here to help and wake us up. Andre, thanks for being here. First, tell us, why do you want to help us with our financial future? You know, I've asked, been asked before what I want on my tombstone. And even f- as far back as like high school, I said I want to be helpful. I wanted to say on my tombstone that I was helpful. So I like helping people, however that might be, holding the door, um, helping people plan for something. Um, if it's advice, if it's you know solving problems, I uh, just, just want to be helpful as much as I can. That's awesome. You've always been like that? Yeah. I mean, well, as far back as I can remember. I mean, I'm not sure if I was like that in elementary school, but definitely, definitely high school, middle school, I was really into that. Really, yeah. That's very cool. So what is it that you do right now? So what I do is I'm in the insurance and financial services realm, and uh, I, I'm a licensed professional helping people basically increase and protect their money. Uh, and I also started a nonprofit where we just, not sales, but we just educate people about the need for protecting their income. This information is very handy right now because I go to the grocery store and I cannot believe how high the prices have become. Uh, you know, butter that I used to buy, it's probably like a dollar something more, two dollars more. And, and I even saw some prices, four dollars more in some items that I, that I purchased at the grocery store. You know, it's crazy. And I'm thinking about all these people that can no longer afford what they used to at the grocery store. Tell me, Andre, do you think it's going to get better or worse? Well, inflation's just been there and it's been there for a long, 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 long time. And, you know, that's, you know, the, the cost of goods goes up every single year or on average. And, you know, there might be some occasional dips, but that's that's just the way things are. And, you know, the inflation numbers that we always hear are actually underrepresented of the actual because uh, the federal government actually does not include certain things that are going up a little bit faster than than the general uh, inflation numbers. And so, you know, the inflation numbers that you see that are published are actually on the low side. So, yeah, things are going up and they're always going to go up. And, you know, you know, just look at land. We don't make new land. And so as the population increases, you know, the cost of land goes up just because there's more and more people in the same amount of land. And so it's a matter of supply and demand. Okay, with all these increases and everything that's going on in the world, how can you help us financially? Okay, so... You know, what we do typically when we're working with people on the, uh, you know, on our what I would call our for-profit side is we advise people on ways that they can increase their money, uh, either by increasing their income. So we have ways to help them with increasing their income or also in terms of the money that they've saved, how to put it in the proper places. You know, a lot of people will, will put their money in the bank thinking that that's the way to save, or even worse, they'll put it under the mattress or bury it in the backyard. It's kind of hard in Miami with all the condos and, and the fact that, you know, you got water two feet down. But, you know, if you, if you save money in a box, 
or even in the bank, you're losing out due to inflation. You know, the cost of goods goes up over time. And so what happens is if your money is not going up at three and a half, four percent, five percent a year on average, you're actually losing purchasing power. And so it doesn't matter if it's in the bank, it doesn't matter if it's you know buried in the backyard, you're losing purchasing power. And so if you have $100, you put it um, in the bank, and let's say five years later, you have $105, but the cost of something that was $100 is now five years later, $110, you can't buy that, whereas you could have bought it five years earlier. And so, you know, you need to know or people need to know in general where to put their money so that it can grow faster than that inflation and so that's what we teach people is where to to position their money where it will grow but also safely because you know a lot of people will say oh well maybe there's you know bitcoin or you know stocks bonds and mutual funds and the thing is is that in a lot of these variable accounts they have the chance of making a lot of money but they also have the chance of losing a lot of money and so, you know, would you, you know, let me ask you a quick question. Would you take half of your nest egg and go to, let's say, Las Vegas or uh, Atlantic City and bet half of your nest egg on black on the roulette table? Would you do that? No. No. Well, why? Because you might gain 50%, but you might also lose 50% all within 10 seconds. Well, what people don't realize is the stock market has gone down 50% twice in my working lifetime in the last 23, 24 years. And so that's you know very risky for people. And yes, it generally goes up over time. But you know for people, it's it's a very risky proposition. And and that's where most people put their money. And so what we do is we try to educate people about alternatives where they can guarantee no loss to their money. And so everything we do is to position people where they cannot lose their money due to the market. You know, it's interesting because my my father uh, passed away a year this month, um, and he left us. Uh, some, some, you know, some of his inheritance, inheritance. Oh my God, what's wrong with me today? Uh, left us some money, and um, my mom put it, what, what, you know, because most of it is left to her, and then when she passes away, it goes to us, me and my sister. But um, she puts it in the bank, mm-hmm. and they, they, and I was trying to see if there was anywhere else that she could place that money. So first of all, my condolences on your father passing, and. Uh, you know, second of all, yes, there's there's various places we can put it. And we, would, of course, want to have a conversation with her. Is it something that she needs now for income now? Or is it something she needs later? Or is it something that's more of just an emergency? And then she eventually wants to pass that to, you know, the family later on. And so what we always do, we, we can't really prescribe anything over the phone or just in general, um, unfortunately, on a podcast. But what we do is we have conversations with people and find out what it is they're really trying to accomplish and then help them find the best way for accomplishing that. But certainly, you know, we have tools and techniques that we can help her with. Just depends on what she is looking to, to achieve. Okay. Okay, very cool. Um, what do you have to say to people that, you know, that are they hear all this, but they're still antsy about it? and they feel more comfortable with leaving the money where it's at, at the bank. As uncomfortable as it is to sometimes talk about money or talk about your future or even talking about, you know, uh, your mortality, um, just sticking your head in the sand doesn't really help. So, you know, there's a train barreling down on all of us called retirement. And, you know, some people think, well, if I don't plan on it, I don't look at it, it's not going to affect me, but that's not true. You know, this train's going to hit you unless you're looking at it and you step away. So you need to, you know, inspect what you expect. 
And so if you don't care and you just want to get run over by this train, then it doesn't matter. But if you want to avoid the train, it's better to look up and see the train coming and to step off the tracks. And the earlier you do that, the better. And so the longer people delay, the harder it is. And you know, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing sadder than seeing somebody that's 65 years old, they've got maybe $25,000 saved up and they want to retire. And they're trying to figure out what they can do. And by then it's really hard because they're, they're really cl you know, close to that retirement. Whereas somebody who's in their 40s or 30s or even 20s, the earlier they start, the better. And you know there are places that people can save, not just for retirement, but they could also use it to buy a house, to buy a car, to go on trips for their kids' college education. And so the earlier they plan and the smarter they are with where they place their money, the more they can do with it, the more flexibility they have with it, the more they'll have in the end, and not just for retirement, but for expenses along the way. Andres, what did you do before this? What, what were you doing? What made you come into this? How did you get into this road? So I was doing, like I said, computer engineering. And, you know, while it was fun and everything, it was it was not very interactive with people. It was mostly just, you know, sitting behind a computer. And I, I really liked interacting with people and helping people. And so, you know, I started doing real estate because that, you know, helps people out. And, you know, I made 60000 in one month doing real estate pretty much. And, um then I tried it full time and made nothing in six months. And so part time I could make sixty thousand, but full time I made nothing. And it, you know, for me that was a little bit too up and down. And so I went into insurance and financial services uh, part time initially, and then eventually full time, and worked for two different Fortune five hundred companies. Uh, started my own brokerage and uh, just haven't looked back. You know, I I get what I call non monetary bonuses. You know, you mentioned your mother, and one of the things that that really you know, really makes me feel good is when I help somebody, you know, especially if they remind me of my grandmother and I do such a good job and I'm, I'm really affecting them so well that they just ask for a hug. You know, there's literally nothing better in the world than to know that you made that big a difference that they just want to give you a hug because you just set their mind at ease. You made sure that they could have an income stream where they cannot lose it. They cannot outlive it. They cannot be swindled out of it. You know, that just makes you feel good. Yeah, that's what my mom's going through now. She's she's she's, she's worried that her money's going to go away, and she's struggling with that. So maybe we can have a talk with her. Certainly, I mean that's something that we we're we're always free to talk to, and you know we I, I do everything through education. I'm a certified financial educator. You know, my parents parents were both public school teachers and said I could be anything I wanted, but a public school teacher. Um, but you know, I. I like this because I get to educate people and, you know, if they want to do something great and if they don't, that's okay too. You know, I used to get upset when people said no to me that they, they didn't want to do business with me. And then I realized that, you know, there are all these people that volunteer their time at soup kitchens to help feed the poor. And every time somebody says no to me, what I did is I just educated them for free. And that's my volunteerism. I try to volunteer my time to educate people to try to prevent them from becoming poor. And, uh, you know, if, if they don't want to do it, that's okay. I, I, it's just my volunteerism. And so that's the way I approach it. So what I do is I, every time I meet people, it's free to talk to. I just educate them and, and see what they're trying to accomplish and try to help them with that. And, you know, write them a, a prescription, if you will. And they don't have to fill it at my pharmacy. And that's okay. Right? So what would you say is the biggest challenge you've ever had with anyone out of all these years? Biggest challenge? Um people can be resistant to change i've had somebody that came to me with a policy and you know i was able to save them a hundred thousand dollars 
yeah, literally they've got something that they've got to keep paying for another uh, nine years and or over nine years. And I could work with them and have them stop paying right now and give them the same results, actually better results. And they were resistant to change. And so that happens from time to time. And in fact, in this one, it was um, the wife makes the decisions and he didn't want to bring it up in front of the wife, even though I could save them $100,000, over 100000 So um, Did they ever give in? Not, not yet. I'm still, I'm still working on that because I have the hope that I can, you know, you know, do more for them. I really want to help them out. You know, even if it, even, even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter about the commission. It's the mission before the commission. So I just want to help them out. I mean, if if I can save them a hundred thousand, that's a hundred thousand. And you know, for most people, they'd be jumping up and down for joy. But for this particular person, it was you know, the the resistance to change was that much. What do you think is their resistant? What is it that they don't want to change? You know. <laughs> I had a minor in psychology in, in, in college, but, uh, you know, it, it's, um, you know, I just don't know. And uh, it, it can be a little bit frustrating, but it's more frustrating knowing that I could help and I'm not being allowed to. And, you know, what I would say is it's like, you know, uh, you have all these people that are drowning financially and I've got solutions for them and I can throw them these life preservers. I can throw them these rings. I can save their lives. And they just won't grasp onto it. And, you know, I cannot force them to, and that's okay. You know, it is their life. It's their decisions to make. And I just want to try to optimize. You know, that's actually one of the things that uh, from engineering I like doing was optimizing things. If I could save save a few seconds from this operation or save a few dollars, you know, over time, that makes a big difference. And that's what I see is that, you know, small changes for what people are doing can really make big differences in the end. And we're talking, you know, could be in the millions. You know, I was talking to another gentleman recently and, you know, his comment was that if he could save $30 million um, and get a $100,000 a year tax-free income stream, he'd be retired. And I came back to him a day later and said, what if I could do it for $22 million? Wow. And so um, I crafted a plan for him to, to put away, you know, $22, 23000000 million over a... Um, a five-year period and potentially, you know, giving him a tax-free income stream of about 1.7 million a year, which is more than he was he was looking for. And so, you know, these are things I like to do. I like to help people where, you know, now now don't get me wrong, you know, helping the those with a lot of money makes me a lot of money. However, I really enjoy helping people that don't have much. So if you have the, you know, for the, somebody like that, they have people lined up to help them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to save four or five million dollars a year? Yeah, you've got a hundred people, a thousand people willing to help them. But what really makes me feel good is when you've got the people that only have fifteen dollars to a hundred dollars to five hundred dollars a month. That's what I was going to ask you. So, how much can you have for you to begin helping that person? For those listening out there, and maybe they have zero in the bank. I mean, what what is it that they must have to come to you? So they don't have to have anything. You know, if, if they don't, if they're not making enough money, maybe it's helping them make more or, you know, shifting their priorities. You know, 50 cents a day can really make a difference depending upon what, what they need to do. And the more they can, they can save, the better for their future. Or however, for example, the protecting their income side of it, you know, 50 cents a day can really make a difference and generationally can help people. You know, the really wealthy already are protecting their incomes so that future generations don't have to suffer. 
But what I find is the people that are the middle class or that aren't yet at the middle class, those people are the ones that are most likely to have problems generationally with their wealth or just keeping their families above the poverty lines. And, you know, little tweaks like that, 50 cents a day, a dollar a day can really make a difference in that area. If you think about it, who can't afford 50 cents a day, a dollar a day? Maybe it's eating out one time less every quarter or every year. Mm -hmm. And that might be enough to do that. Or maybe it's, you know, cutting back a little bit on the cable. Or maybe it's just finding, you know, some way of making an extra dollar a day. And um, what do you think about these apps that you can put in some money like Acorns? So, you know, forcing the forced savings habits is not a bad thing. However, there's no one size fits all approach. And so when you've got these apps, they're trying to fit everybody through this one box and they're not addressing people's individual concerns and they're not looking at the whole picture. And so while it's better than nothing, uh, it's not as, um, as efficient as it could be for people. And people don't realize that it might not cost them anything to use a professional to try to figure this out. And so, you know, like I said, you know, for me and a lot of people in my industry, it's free to talk to us. And, you know, we can have a chat and see what we can do to optimize people's strategies. You know, a lot of these apps out there, they're putting the money into a savings account. Well, again, it doesn't matter even if you're you're making, uh, you know, even if you had a savings account making 6%, but you have to pay tax on it, it's effectively like 4%. And the inflation, true inflation is higher than 4%. Heck, last year it was, I think, 8%. So if you're making 4%, but the cost of goods is going up at 8%, you're losing purchasing power over time. Or these apps will also put it into variable accounts where they could be risking the money. And so that's not really a great proposition. And you know what we also find is that most Americans can't even afford a $1,000 emergency. And so what happens is that they have a, you know, their tires need replacing, their brakes need replacing, the refrigerator breaks, the kids need br braces, the dog is sick. Any of these things can cause these families to go into financial ruin. And so it's about education, about how to, you know, shift priorities and maybe start to create that emergency fund. You know, if, if COVID-19 showed us anything, it's that even a six-month emergency fund isn't long enough now. You know, think about all those people in the, in the food services industry or, or even business owners that, that were shut down, you know, we need to have these emergency funds so we can survive the next COVID-20, the next COVID-21. And, you know, it's about learning where to place it. If you put it in a variable account that goes up and down, that's not really very good because the chances are when you need that money is when the markets are down. And so whatever your emergency fund was, now it's half. Yeah. That's not very good. Or, you know, they will put it in the bank, which is it's stable. So when the economy goes down, you still have the same amount of money. The problem is it's not really growing for people. And so they need to find out where they can put their money, where it can grow, but still be protected from downside risk. And where is it that you put the money? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, we have to have this conversations with people. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to be coy or anything, but, you know, there are those places available and for compliance reasons, I can't really just talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. But again, I'm free to talk to, many of my my uh, people in my industry are also free to talk to and it's just having that conversation with, with these professionals and ask them, hey, 
where can we put our money where we can have potential gains without the risks and, and they're out there. And so it's just a matter of, of talking to these professionals and finding them and putting them in the right place. I'm going to name this podcast, Where Do We Put the Money? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you know, just, just the, the answer is to, to talk to your, your licensed professionals and, and find somebody that you trust um, and just ask them, where can I put the money where it's guaranteed not to lose and, um, you know, but has the opportunity to grow faster than inflation? Um, but, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit, you know, more about the income uh, replacement or income protection. You know, my, my nonprofit is Income Replacement Awareness and Advocacy. And I think that's a really important part because a lot of people are not aware of the risks they have of, you know, what happens to their income should it stop. You know, I, I actually work with a neurologist that, that started working with us. And one of the reasons he started working with us is, and joined my nonprofit, is every week he'd have to tell a family that, you know, so-and-so is, is never going to be the same. And he's telling this to a family where that was the major breadwinner. That was the primary breadwinner. What happens when the primary breadwinner can't work anymore? And not only can they not work, but now they might need care. And so, you know, a lot of people think that the worst thing that could happen to my family is if I die. But, you know, the worst thing that can happen is if your income stops, but you're still around, but you need care. You know, because now you're taking time or effort. Now you're taking money or whatever it is, resources from the family, and it can go up quite a bit. And so what people need to realize is they need to protect their income, not just in case of death, but in case of serious illness like COVID-19 or could be a stroke, could be cancer, could be a heart attack. Any of a number of things could affect your ability to work. You know, or maybe it's an injury. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm very healthy. I'm, I'm 25 years old. I'm never going to get sick. You know, a lot, a lot of people in their 20s think they're Superman. You know, I, I know it's your hat, right? Yeah. They think they're Superman or Superwoman. Or in their 40s and they think they're in their 20s still. Yes, yes. Or, or they, they just think they're invincible. And, you know, if any, anything taught me moving to South Florida is there are some bad drivers out there. And, you know, you could be the healthiest person in the world, but you can't control what the idiot does in the freeway next to you. Yeah. And all it takes is a car accident, a slip and fall on the ice, you know, a bike accident, um, you know, it could be a surfing or boogie boarding accident, any of a number of things. And, you know, that income could stop and you have to worry about what's going to happen. How are you going to take care of yourself? How's your family going to survive? And so, um, and it could be also the next lockdown. You know, maybe it's COVID-20 or 21 or 22. We don't know what might happen. It could be a war. There are all sorts of things. It could be, um, you know, just a major economic crash like 2000, 2002 or 2007, 2008. And so people need to protect their income, not just in case of illness or injury, but because of financial things that might happen. And so that's what we just do is we educate people through a non-salesy approach. We're not selling anything. We just educate people. And that's what we do. And if they want help uh, doing that, we can, you know, give them certified people that will will help them with that. All right. So where can people reach you after listening to this? They're gonna, you know, they're gonna wanna after listening to you. I'm gonna have to make an appointment with you. <laughs> well, you know, my my uh, my nonprofit is, is again income replacement awareness and advocacy, ira aorg So again, that's ira a .org for income replacement awareness and advocacy. Uh, and so they can go there. And then also my my for-profit side is my brokerage, Neoterra. That's N-E-O-T-E-R-R-A.com. And so people can reach out to me on either of those locations. 
what's the best advice that you can give anybody out there right now uh, that's not doing that's not in the path that that they should be with their finances get yourself educated and you know look up and assess where you are and where you want to be you know um, who cares most about your finances you not me not your mom not your dad not you know nobody right the only, the person who cares most about your finances is you and so get the education as painful as it might be because you need to be an advocate right if you go to the doctors and you're not your own advocate they might miss something you need to be your own advocate and yes you should rely on professionals as well and be your own advocate that's the biggest thing that i can tell people is and to do it early you know the longer the wait the more expensive it becomes and you know we all deserve to have the dreams don't shrink your dreams to match your situation increase your situation to match your dreams that was beautiful thank you so much andres for being on the pod and one more thing don't, don't fall, fall off the pod, pod. ready Listen up, Podheads. Now's your chance to be on the pod. If you have a story, say it right here. Go to podwithme.com, fill out the Be Our Guest form, and submit. Very easy, right? Oh, and before I forget, go ahead and follow us on social media. The links to Facebook and Instagram are right there. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm Alex J. Aguiar, and until next time, don't fall off the pod. Ready?